Welcome to Sales Talk for CEOs. I'm glad you're here. I'll be interviewing CEOs who have successfully scaled their B2B sales organization. In each episode, I'll start by uncovering the sales background of each CEO, dig into the strategies they use to build their sales organization, and wrap it up with what the future holds. We'll cover the good, the bad, and the ugly of scaling a sales organization. I'm your host, Alice Hyman. Hey, glad you're all here for another episode with me. And I'm excited to have Torrance Hart of Teak and Twine. Yes, that is an unusual name. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I want to welcome Torrance. How are you? Alice, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, good. I'm so glad you're here. Um, We had a lot of fun talking pre-show, and we're going to bring up some fun things uh, for our audience of listeners here. And first, I just want to start with um, what is Teak and Twine? What do you do? And who is your target audience? Great question. So Teak and Twine, we call ourselves strategic gifters. And basically what that means is, yes, we make gift boxes that are full of and sourced from amazing businesses all over. Picture chocolate bars, notebooks, candles, tech products, and create these unique combinations But the strategic part of it is that we work with teams so that those gifts can accomplish the goals of those companies. So we might work with a sales team and create a gift around a sales initiative, booking more calls, getting more clients on the phone, or reaching out to repeat clients. We might work with a marketing team and create a gift for a virtual event that they have coming up. And we work with HR teams to create gifts for employee gifting or celebrations like 100-year milestones. I love that. I think gifting has gotten really popular. And I know that you partner with a lot of the big gifting companies out there, some of my favorites, Sendoso and Alice and Postal. And a new one I told you about that you didn't even know, which was um, Gift Goose. But um, lots of great companies that will help you send gifts. And most of them, you know, in my world, they're all about sending gifts to prospective customers or current customers. But I also love that you guys have that twist of the internal, you know, for HR purposes, uh, helping you engage and retain your own employees. And I thought that was a very unique spin. And many companies do give gifts internally, but I don't think it's an any organized fashion. And so I love that that's part of your focus. It really is. And you're exactly right. The past two years have been crazy for gifting. I mean, what a ride for both us as well as, like you mentioned, all of uh, some of the tech partners that we partner with, like Sendoso and ReachDesk. I mean, they've had huge funding rounds. They've had explosive growth. And we've really seen explosive growth for us as well. So it's been super exciting. And you're right. The teams are seeing, sales teams are seeing, they can use gifting to create some, to fill some of that gap in so that it's not just back-to-back-to-back Zoom calls. They're able to send gifts out to build those relationships, to thank those repeat clients, to thank clients that worked with them through COVID and, you know, 
really stayed loyal with them. We can help marketing teams who had the super difficult challenge of taking a blockbuster in-person event and making it a virtual event and still trying to get attendance and have engagement and make it fun. And it's been so cool to be able to leverage gifts and see our clients do all of those pivots and still have success and hit their goals. And then, of course, working with HR because they're trying to love on their virtual employees that they used to be able to engage with on a daily basis. And that's one of the huge challenges that I'm sure you talk about all the time with CEOs. Yeah, the work from home craze that happened because of COVID and now because everybody's like, well, I can work from anywhere in the world. But we do want to stay connected to our employees. And most companies thought, what am I going to do? I want to keep these people engaged. So they started figuring out gifts to send every month. A lot of it food-based, of course. People love snacks. But um, many other types of gifts as well. And, you know, everybody's got their branded Yeti on their desk. And they've got their, you know, notebooks and all their branded items around them, T-shirts, hats, and all of those things. And it's really nice when a beautiful box shows up at your home and it's got goodies in it from your employer. So it's really important and it does actually mean something and people do care about it. So I think it's really important from an internal perspective of um, engagement and retention of your own employees and just showing them how much you care Um, But then, like you said, the events, uh, you know, are so important. I had an event business before COVID (laughs) as part of my offering to help sales know what to do before, during, and after an event. I mean, marketing knows what to do, and they do a lot of it, but the salespeople needing to be more involved and get better results, right? Well, then we went to virtual all of a sudden. You know, when you show up at a show, you get your gifts from each vendor as you stop by their booths or you get a show, a gift show or whatever it is. Now we have all these virtual events and we do need to keep that engagement like you mentioned and send something out to them. And what's so cool about your your platform and any of them is that you don't have to have the home address of the person because everybody was saying to me, oh, how are we going to do this? How are we going to send things? People aren't going to give us their home address. Well, first of all, they actually do give you their home address. But secondly, you don't need it. So um, just tell a little bit about how that works on your platform. Absolutely. So with any of our tech partners and natively on our own platform, you can send a link to anyone that you want to send a gift to just via email. So all you need is the email address. They click on the link, something extra special. They can actually choose which gift you want. If you want to add another layer of choice, you don't have to worry about picking something that's going to be perfect for 500 people. You can design a couple different things and each person can gravitate towards the design that they like. They input their address and then we handle all of the shipping, all of the logistics, all of the tracking and the follow-up and everyone receives their gifts. You don't have to worry about returns. You don't have to worry about sending to wrong addresses. Um, It really ends up saving clients a ton of money and being really fun for the recipients as well. It's been so fun to work with companies specifically on virtual gifting because there are so many creative ways of keeping that engagement going. You can send one gift prior to the event and uh, a study by Sales Hacker shown that that 
2X'd the number of attendees that would attend if they received a gift prior to that virtual event. But then we've made gifts where there were different compartments that had like a timestamp or a date so that as maybe a three-day event is going, you're opening different compartments and you're unlocking sort of ingredients or uh, tools that you would use in different sessions of the event. So something that builds engagement, not just to show up, but to have fun throughout let's be honest, what might be an eight-hour Zoom call and make that a little bit more (laughs) fun. two days of eight-hour Zoom, right? Uh, Yes. Two days in a row of it, yeah. When I run the Sales 3.0 conference, I'm the MC for that. And, you know, it's two full days, right, online. Um, It's good. It's fun. We keep it moving. But, yeah, you you do need some fun things for engagement there. Well, I love that you've built this. And we're going to talk about how you did it in a minute. But, Um, You have this beautiful platform built, but you also have a concierge approach. So people will have their own account manager to help them really build the kind of gifts, choices that will mean something to the people that they're sending it to. But I'm curious, do you also have the option, let's say if I get the link and I go on and there's five choices and I think, you know, I don't really need any of those things. Can I donate to charity? We have had that as an option. So when we worked with Warner Music a couple of years ago, they wanted to send employee gifts out and they gave them six options. Five of them were our gift and one of them was a donation to charity. And all of us were blown away by how charitable this team was and it was incredible to see the number of donations that came through. So yeah, that has been really amazing. The other thing that's been amazing is seeing how many companies want to make sure or care about us sourcing from small businesses, yes, Black-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, um, veteran-owned businesses. That's something that is near and dear to our hearts. And it's awesome when the client is on board, which we're hearing more and more. And so we're able to create this curation that is helping accomplish their goals and is helping six different businesses grow and thrive. Love that so much. So gifts for events, that's kind of an obvious and great one. Gifts for employees, maybe not so obvious, but really important. And people are kind of doing it anyway. So this is a more organized and consistent way to do it. And then of course, Gifts during the sales process, you know, which salespeople are using, um, you know, at any point in the sales process, but also once someone becomes your customer to keep them engaged as well. Uh, Lots of different uh, ways to give gifts. And so how did you get into this gifting business? I mean, it's something that I love. You and I were talking about that earlier. But what were you doing? And all of a sudden, you know, one day you said, okay, I'm going to start a gifting business. Great question. So after college, I actually commissioned in the Air Force and was a finance officer and an intel officer for eight years. Wow. And it was awesome. I mean, it was exactly what I wanted, which was just an amazing adventure. Um, I got to deploy three times. I got to live in three different states. I got to meet the most incredible, smart people. And it was a great eight years. Around year seven, I knew that 
I was ready for the next chapter that I wanted to get out. And I also knew that I wanted to start my own business. I've always been entrepreneurial. And then I had one year, Alice, to basically figure out that little extra detail of what business I would start. Um, And at the time, I was also planning a wedding, which I know weddings have launched, I feel like, a thousand businesses because it just gives you this unique insight into this whole different market. And that's what it did for me. I noticed that there was this gap in the wedding market where couples were planning their wedding and then creating gifts for their out-of-town guests to thank them for coming. And at the time, there wasn't a company that was putting those together. And there was something about the curation, the packaging. I wanted everything to be sleeker and more modern. And I really just latched onto that idea, fell in love with it, and dove into this wedding gifting world. And then an interesting thing happened, obviously, because I'm you know in a pretty different direction now. And what happened was I was getting some pretty good traction booking brides and doing six gifts and five gifts. And then one of my brides worked at Microsoft and she called me a couple months in and she said, I loved the bridesmaid gifts you made, but could you make a gift for uh, our holiday gifting for employees? And I said, absolutely, of course. It was not only, you know, 20 times bigger than any other order that I had ever done. It was so creative. It was so fun. It was so interesting to think about, think as a marketer, what would I do on behalf of this company to accomplish their goals, to make this gift something that they've never seen, to make the packaging something they've never seen? And the light bulb really went off um, at that point or went on at that point wow, this was my favorite project all year. And slowly and then very definitively, we pivoted as a company and we're selling a similar product, but doing it in a totally different way, really focusing on strategic corporate gifting. And like you said, working with sales, marketing, and HR teams to accomplish their goals. And you know what? I wrote back to that bride. I wrote her an email several years later and just said, You have no idea what that order ended up doing for my company and where we are now. And it was all because of, you know, this idea that you put in my mind and how fun that order was and then the referrals, et cetera. So that was pretty fun too. Gosh, that's amazing. But I think that's the way a lot of us, you know, get started. It's almost, I call it being an accidental entrepreneur. It's like, I want to do something. I don't know what it is. Or you get thrown into the situation and you were headed down one path, then you changed paths because something happened, right? And and I just, I love that. When you first started your company, what was the name of the company then? It was Teak and Twine. You did. You started it with Teak and Twine. Okay. It was. And I think Teak and Twine, um, we were joking before we started recording that, you know, the name Teak and Twine is a little confusing, probably not the best name I could have picked, knowing where we ended up a perfect name for a wedding gifting company. But you know what? No regrets. It served us, uh, you know, (laughs) just fine, even in our new chapter uh, this past few years. Yeah. 
you know, starting any business, right? You don't know what you don't know. So you just get started. So when you first started, was it just all you? Were you doing everything or did you have a friend or a co-founder that kind of went in on it with you? I did everything for about five months. And then I hired my first employee. And I'm happy to say she still works with me, uh, which is really, really cool. And she was... She is amazing at client interaction. She's an one of our awesome account managers, members of the member of the sales team, and that's really what she has done since day one. So, um, outsourced that. Then I hired for some operational help because, of course, making all the gifts quickly became, yeah, not something that I could take on myself. And then uh, now we're at 15 people plus about 30 contractors that help us um, kind of based on the ebbs and flows of the season. And we're structured with an operational team, a sales team, and a marketing team. So I, I would imagine at the beginning, you did all the selling yourself to the brides. And then, of course, you got this amazing opportunity with Microsoft. And then you're thinking, okay, now how do I get more companies, right, to do this. So did you do the selling did, or did you go, oh, I better hire somebody who knows how to sell to corporations? Okay. Here's my confession <laughs> because this is, this is the biggest mistake that I made as far as growing a sales team. It's that, Alice, I didn't realize the most obvious thing in the world, which is that I was in sales, that I was selling. For too long, I thought of myself as a designer, as a, a custom order, you know, assistant. I thought more about the customer experience and acted like what a, what a SaaS company might call, you know, a customer success manager. And it wasn't until a couple of sales books landed in my lap and I read them and I realized, oh my goodness, of course, I am running a sales team. And the one of the most amazing things has been, of course, as soon as you really dive into that, build a sales team as you should and dive into everything from the structure of the team to commission structure to strategies to just owning that role and learning more about it. It just kind of unlocked everything and a lot of potential for us. But that took me way too long to figure out. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody starts, or I should say few people start a business thinking, I'm going to be in sales. <laughs> they start a business thinking, I'm going to do this thing that I really love to do and really want to do and provide. But when you really think about it, what is sales anyway? It's helping solving and guiding. And you love doing that, right? You were solving a problem that they had and guiding them to choose the right things and putting it all together. And so you weren't thinking that was sales, but it is sales. And I think it's unfortunate because sales sometimes has kind of a bad name. It's like, oh, that person is trying to trick, manipulate, or coerce me into something I don't want or need when, in fact, I don't know what that is, but it's not sales, right? Because <laughs> um, sales is helping and solving and guiding. And, and that's what you do. And you're really, really good at it. Um, and so that's why your company was thriving. 
but you were doing all of the selling yourself. And then you, some of these books landed in your lap and you started going, oh, like there's this whole world of sales out there. Now what? Right. So then I realized, okay, I need to hire account managers. I'm going to call them account managers. We are going to talk as a team. I, I am now sitting in the director of sales roles. And now, of course, we talk as a team about uh, strategy, about communication, about making sure that we're focusing more on our clients' goals and what they're trying to do with the gift as opposed to the functions of our gift or you know how great the packaging is, right? It's about increasing RSVPs. It's about getting more people to book a meeting. And so it actually feels very natural. Like you were saying, that's not, it doesn't feel slimy at all. It feels awesome to have more of a perspective that we are more client focused actually now that we are more committed to being a sales team. And, you know, this is uh, has now been two years that we've really adopted that mindset. Um, but I think it's actually made us more generous in the way that we've been able to serve clients. Well, you've been in business seven years. Mm-hmm. How many of it was just doing the wedding? Really, you know, that that bride, that first Christmas. So six months. Oh, and then, um, yeah, at the end of my first complete year, I looked back and I said, you know, let's say I've done a hundred orders and two of those orders were corporate and they made up 30% of my revenue. And I'm pretty sure Pareto's principle says <laughs> you should go in this direction, lady. Love that. And so then you still were doing the selling though, right? So you were still contacting the companies. When did you finally say, okay, I need to hire a salesperson. I cannot do this all myself anymore and continue to grow because there's, you know, you're the CEO, you wear a lot of hats. You've got to manage all the departments and do the selling. So how did you just go, okay, it's time to hire a salesperson. And what kind of salesperson should I hire? Year three, I hired a salesperson. She came from retail. She had amazing experience and she taught me so much. I mean, she was one of those hires where I taught her about the product, but she taught me everything about sales and client relationship and retention and repeat clients. And I'm so grateful for that first hire. Um, And then have hired uh, three more account managers since, and they've really just knocked it out of the park. I've been very lucky in in sales hiring um, so far that they just have really taught me a ton. Um, Two of them had prior sales experience, and two did not. Um, And you know, all all four of them are doing awesome. Where did you find them? How did you set out to look for sales? Okay, I need salespeople, got one, need two more, need another one. Where did you find them? So one of them was is my initial hire, um, word of mouth, friend of a friend. Um, one of them 
Oh gosh. The other three were all through Instagram. Oh my goodness. Which is, I know if you are running a wedding business, you're very focused. Instagram is the social platform that you live on. So that's how I met them. Um, or that's where they first found out about us. And now of course we live on LinkedIn because that's where our customers live. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you got lucky. Some people are not as lucky as you, Torrance, when they hire their first salespeople (laughs) and they don't necessarily um, get people who stay or get the right people. But I love that you didn't realize you were in sales. And then once you realized you were in sales, you wholly embraced it. And I, it sounds like you found other people who, who believe what you believe. They love the business and what the business does, but they also really love helping people and the type of selling that we're talking about, helping and solving. And they knew intuitively, or maybe they had some training on how to do that. So, you know, kudos to you for making those great hires. Now, what do you do to keep them uh, learning and engaged and becoming even better sellers than they are today? Well, I think there's two parts to your question. And one is, how do you keep any great employee, right? And so many things go into that. We, I wrap all of it into this idea of Worktopia, And it's something that we talk about every quarter as a company. We're big uh, entrepreneurial operating systems fans. So we use the EOS system. We have traction right here. Oh, yeah. My clients use the traction uh, methodology. I love it. I I actually have had the honor of meeting Gino. He's amazing. Oh, wow. That is so exciting. Yeah, traction um, was a great book, and I loved all the EOS books. So we do, we have those quarterly check-ins. And one of the things we talk about is Worktopia. And what does it mean to everyone, right? Because I know what my Worktopia looks like. And for some people, Worktopia is working from home, but for some people, it isn't working from home. And for some people, it's working less. And for other people, it's actually getting the chance to double down, maybe get more challenging work. And so it's this constant conversation. What is Worktopia? How are we moving towards it? And I don't implement every single idea that comes up in that meeting, but it's an awesome conversation for pushing the boundaries of, what we're doing. Right now, we're uh, testing a four-day work week. So we work in the office three days, and everybody works from home one day and then has off one day. It's awesome. We love it so far. So there's that part. And then there's the part of how are we getting better? How are we staying hungry? How are we learning? And Part of it is, I think that's actually my main job is to learn stuff. And so that work from home day is key for me because I think a huge part of my job is actually just to read and listen to podcasts. And because then I have something new and interesting to bring to the team, not just my opinion or me coaching everybody listening to that, but what fresh perspectives and fresh ideas am I bringing to everyone each day? 
And that really keeps me motivated. I feel very accountable to my team to bring them great ideas. I love that. And I guess probably because you're doing that, they do it too. They emulate and they think, oh, you know, what podcasts are you listening to and what books are you reading? And they want to do the same. Are you finding Exactly. That? It yeah. really has created this culture of, you know, everybody sending podcast recommendations through <laughs> Slack and sharing books back and forth through, uh, you know, our library in the break room kind of thing. And I think one of the biggest things that I'm working towards specifically for the sales team is to maintain the collaborative atmosphere that we have right now. We know that we've got something special right now because while people are individually hungry, we're still super helpful and collaborative and very open to saying, this is what I did with a client. How did it go over for you? What wording are you using for this? How can you help me brainstorm this specific situation? And those kinds of conversations, not just coming from me to them, but between them is feels like one of the best things I can foster is that the account managers communicating with each other and sharing stories and, and wording about what's working. Absolutely. So I'm sure our listeners are curious, what are some of your favorite podcasts right now that you've been listening to? Oh, I love that. So the DGMG podcast, I think, is fantastic. Um, it really has taught me so much about B2B sales. Um, I, I do love Sales Samurai podcast. I think that that one is so good because it's very surgical advice about one specific tactic that you can take away. Um, there's a B2B growth podcast that has been hugely helpful. And outside of sales, I love Gretchen Rubin's podcast. I mean, I have to listen to how I built this, right? Because I oh, own gosh. a business. Right. It's Don't you have to? That's like mandatory so listening. fabulous. Everybody should listen to how I built this, 100%. Right. The other one I love that has nothing to do with sales is Science Friday. And oh, yeah. with Ira Flato, I always learn so something good. that I can relate back to business in some way, even though it's science-based. And it's just good for your brain to learn something different anyway. But I always, it always makes me think, oh, gosh, how could I relate that to sales, right? Completely. I have a pass to masterclass. And interestingly, they have sales classes on Masterclass, but the most interesting one was a pair of ad execs, and another one was an architect. And it was actually their classes, listening to them talk about architecture, working with clients, that brought me so much. So you're right. Like sometimes just a little bit off um, brings you that fresh perspective. Yeah, it's, it's you out of the echo chamber, right? Right, exactly. It's kind of crazy, but it's it's really good. So, all right. So you're still managing sales as the leader of your company seven years in, and you're the CEO, you're wearing many hats, and sales is still one of them. Tell us about where you're going to go from here. You know, first of all, why do you like so much managing sales now and really owning that? And where do you want it to progress to? You know, what are you thinking will happen next? I should probably not be director of sales anymore, but I love it. My worktopia is being 
director of sales. And uh, I got some great advice from a friend of mine. And she said, most CEOs, they either stay really, really um, good at their product or at sales. And as soon as she said that, I just said, well, it's sales for me. And I still love it. Our team is small, so there, there aren't a ton of management duties that are going along with it. And so for now, it still feels really right for me to sit in those two seats. Two years from now, who knows? We'll have to, I'll come back for uh, an update. Okay, that'll be perfect. So, you know, in EOS, the Entrepreneur Operating System, they talk about, you know, there's some great videos. In fact, look them up. If you just uh, type in uh, integrator versus visionary, it usually pops up, or you could type in EOS, integrator, visionary, something, some combination. And I can put the links in the show notes as well. But they talk about the visionary of the company being the big idea person, the one, one who has the idea and leads the idea, but needing an, an integrator who is going to be the person who's more about the operations and the details of things. And it sounds to me like you're wanting to stay close to sales, which I think is wonderful because every CEO has a role in sales. The role just changes as the company matures, right? I mean, first you are the seller, then you're a seller with a couple, one or two other sellers, then you're managing the sellers, right? And it progresses from there to maybe you get a CRO in place. But as far as you staying closer to that, I'm wondering if you have an integrator at your company or plans to find that integrator person so that you can really stay in your genius zone and do the things you love to do. Right. Because when I took that quiz, I was way off in visionary land with all of the classic, you know, bad at follow through, et cetera, of <laughs> you and needing me both. that integrator. Me. I mean, uh, classic visionaries. And we know like we like to start a lot of projects, but we don't want to finish them, you know? Exactly. And that actually comes into play as director of sales because account managers can come to me and say, a client has an idea. I'm trying to brainstorm this thing and I can just be this font of ideas. Yeah. And then just walk out of the room. Right. Which is kind of perfect for my personality. <laughs> um, but you're right. I don't have an integrator right now. Um, but I would say my three direct or my two other directors, uh, my marketing and ops director, are both really, really strong and have been here for a long time. And they know that. I don't have one integrator bone in my body. And I actually think that it's the structure of EOS and the weekly and quarterly meetings that allow them to take on some of those integrator responsibilities and keep me accountable for getting my stuff done. So maybe there's an integrator in your future. Maybe somebody will step into that role or you'll find just the right person. And Open to that for sure. Stay focused, you know, on what you love the most. And I do see you in a couple of years, if, you're, if you continue to grow, that you will have someone managing sales. But what will be awesome is that you'll still have that role in sales. And that role will be, you know, ha- getting positioned with, the senior level people at some of your biggest clients, 
that role will be in the strategy for the sales team and where they're going to next. That role will be in um, just coaching the complex sale and things like that. So you'll still have your hands in it, but the role is going to change once again, you know, as you go into the future. Right. I'll have to tell my future director of sales that they need to bring me in every once in a while to do a little brainstorming session so I can get my hands dirty every once in a while. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, as you grow your company, more responsibility comes. And and let's say, you know, you decide that you're going to get some funding or something like that, then that becomes a full-time job as well. I'm sure um, you're aware of that. So, Thinking about where you are now, seven years in, going really well, loving that you partner with the others out there uh, that are in the similar business to you, but bring that really personalized concierge approach to it. And I love that you serve mid-market because these great gifting platforms, you know, Sendoso and Alice and Postal and some of the others, they're really built for much larger companies, but the those middle-sized companies need the same kind of help. So I love that you're focused on that because that's my focus as well. And there's so much happening and the world is staying virtual, whether we like it or not. Um, I think there is, you know, going to be more and more returning to in-person, but I think big companies have announced, you know, I think it was Pfizer the other day I was reading, they're cutting their team. They're keeping them virtual. They're not going to have, they're cutting their travel budgets. And I've heard that from other companies as well. So you have a place that's going to, you know, in this market and it's going to keep growing. So what do you see for the future, Torrance? What's going to happen next? Well, we're, we want to keep partnering with these creative companies. I mean, really, I'm super excited about a couple of different things. One, growing the partnerships, just like you talked about. We had an explosive year with them in the past year and continuing to grow with them as they get more capabilities. I mean, their capes are changing all the time. They're beta testing new, uh, new things, new ways of helping clients, and we're excited to grow along with them and be on their platform. Internally, um, or with the clients that come directly to us, we are really excited about account-based marketing. Yes. And some of the traction that we are seeing there. So our outbound channels and our ABM is something that's a little bit new to us and that we really want to ramp up in 2022. And we create a very specific approach for each client and tie in a a gifting feature. And I'm excited to see where that goes in 2022, for sure. That's, that's very exciting. I, um, As you probably know, I'm very uh, big on the account-based approach. And what's funny is, because I've been doing this for a long time now, way back when, that's what we did. We didn't call it anything, <laughs> but yeah. we did an account-based approach because it just made sense, right? And especially in the complex sale, you can't just get fixated on one person because there's a multitude of people, as we know, that are going to make a decision. And so with that account-based approach, you're going to go after multiple people who will potentially be involved in making the decision. 
And I love bringing the gifting into that. I think uh, that's great. And what's awesome about the way you do it is, like you said, there may be five, six, eight, even 12 people involved in the decision that I'm working on with that client, but they, I can gift them and they can each choose something that's special to them or give it to charity if they want to, versus me sending one thing out to everybody and it may not be something that they, you know, that they like or even relate to in any way, right? Especially like, you know, we're sending out ball caps and t-shirts. It's like, oh, that's really not for everybody, right? Um, So it's so nice the way that you've done this with the concierge style to provide the choices that, like you mentioned, it meets the goal of what you're trying to do and an account-based approach that's very important to think about is what is the goal and how, what does this gift say to the person receiving it about what we're trying to accomplish together. So I really love that you're doing that. That's exactly right. And, you know, we're seeing our clients get traction from using our gifts and doing their own account-based marketing or sales outreach. Then we're doing it ourselves and it's working for us as well. So it's exciting to see, um, you know, that, we're practicing what we preach and that we're seeing the same great results for our clients and for ourselves. All right. Well, I want to wrap up with something that I know you have a great answer to, um, which is for any CEO out there considering this as a budget item, right? Hey, my my marketing director or CMO or you know the head of marketing and the head of sales have said, we're doing account-based approach. We want to do some gifting with that. We're doing events. We want to send gifts in conjunction with our events. Um, we want to keep um, in touch with our customers and give them an exceptional experience and you know, re- re- have high retention rates. And so they're all um, you know, wondering, should I spend money on this? And if I do, what are some tips? How do I do this well? And one of the things you and I were talking about earlier was, well, whatever you do, don't send all the gifts between Thanksgiving and <laughs> New Year's. So um, talk about, you know, first of all, what should a CEO consider? if they're, This is a, a considerable line item in your budget that your uh, sales and marketing leads are asking you for. What kinds of things should they consider? And then what kind of advice should they give to their own team if they're going to start sending out gifts? Perfect. I love this. So it can be overwhelming because there are so many different opportunities for gifting. Even just within the sales cycle, there are 20 different touch points that you could hit. And you don't want perfect to be the enemy of the good. You don't want to think, okay, I need to hit all 20 or not leverage gifting as a strategy. So what I would recommend if you're dipping your toe in using gifting as a strategy is to do it for your repeat clients, past clients. It has it's like the lowest hanging fruit as far as that sales cycle. It's the warmest leads. You're going to get great feedback and you're going to generate some revenue. Well, these and people then get already love you. They already do it. business with you and you're just shoring up that relationship and reminding exactly. them that you're there so they can come back and get more of what they already love. Exactly right. So that's a great place to start because it it works and then you can 
try some of the other strategies. You're absolutely right that tip number two would be to gift off holiday. And you were saying this exactly right before we started recording. At Christmas, you're going to get If you're a client, you're going to get 20 gifts a day. You're not even going to have the bandwidth to send a text message thanking the person for the gift because you're putting up your out of office and wrapping things up with a pile of boxes by the door. But if you send that gift, like we had a client send it for National Juggling Day, which is in July, or National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day, or International Taco Day, right? That could be the coolest gift that person gets that month without having to be a gifting wizard. You're already setting yourself apart and you're going to have better results. And it's just really fun. Yeah. My favorites are Valentine's Day. We love our customers, right? Uh, 4th of July, because who gets a present on 4th of July? And you can do some really cool packages for 4th of July, fun stuff. And, you know, honestly, it doesn't have to be expensive. I just want to say that to people who are thinking gifting is so expensive. Sure, you could spend 50 to 150 on one gift for one person, but you could also just do a really nice card that has a pop-out or a piece of art that they could hang. And it could cost you five to $10 too. So don't always think that you have to spend so much on it. But my other favorite one is Halloween because people don't expect anything on Halloween, but it's such a fun holiday. Again, so many creative things that you can do, but you could also do the solstice. You could do, you know, like you said, chocolate chip cookie day or make up your own holiday and send it. So that's that's good advice. Well, Torrance, I can't thank you enough. This has been such a fun conversation. And uh, I'm sure that our listeners learned a lot from uh, listening to this. And if you are considering uh, starting on gifting and you just don't know where to start, uh, I, we love Sendoso, we love Alice, we love Postal. There's a whole myriad of other ones out there, Gift Goose, et cetera. We love you all. However, Torrance's team they are concierge. They have an approach. They can help you break into this and figure out what to do, you know, versus if you go to one of the platforms that's set up, they do one thing and they do it really well. But um, Torrance's team will help you figure the whole thing out and decide what's best for you. So that's what I love about uh, starting with them at Teak and Twine. I wanted to say Tweak again, and I didn't say it, Torrance. Teak and Twine. Um, Start there because they can really help direct you. And if using one of those other fantastic platforms is the right thing for you, they'll also be telling you that as well. Well, thank you so much for saying that, Alice. And our gifts are available on Sendoso, on ReachDesk, on Postal, so you can stay with your favorite tech partner and then send something really beautiful uh, through us. And I appreciate so much being here. It was wonderful chatting with you. I feel like I learned a ton talking to you. And it was wonderful to be here. Oh, thank you so much. Well, we'll be in touch because I want to follow your journey. And when you're ready to put that sales leader in place, you call me and we'll talk it through. Okay. And uh, talk about what your new role will be. So you don't feel left out of sales when you're no longer the director of sales and the CEO. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to sales talk for CEOs. You can find me at alicehyman.com. Be sure and connect with me on LinkedIn. And let me know that you heard the show.
If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, write a review, and share the show with another CEO. 